Welcome to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus. Thanks for listening, and remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. It seems Wall Street doesn't have much of an appetite for movie theater stocks as of late. In 2017, for example, shares of IMAX fell 26%. AMC Entertainment stock was off 53%. And just recently, shares of the luxury theater chain iPick Entertainment dropped 18% on their first day of trading on the Nasdaq, February 1st. The company's initial public offering was for a little over 818,000 shares, priced at $18.50 apiece, which raised about $15 million. Most of those proceeds will go to expand the luxury theater brand's business. I sat down with IPIC Entertainment CEO and founder Hadid Hashemi just prior to his company going public. Here's our conversation. Hamid, welcome. Thanks for having me here, Alexis. So your company recently IPO'd on the NASDAQ, and you took advantage of something that was created under the, the Jobs Act uh, recently called Reg A or Regulation A. This is how you went public. It's called a mini IPO. Um, explain to us why that was the right path uh, to go public for your company. Sure. Uh, first of all, there's really nothing mini about it because you go through the same exercise that you do in terms of legal accounting and registration with SEC. So I think people call it mini because the dollars that you're raising are less than what people typically people are accustomed to. But from a processing, you know, we're listed on NASDAQ. It's identical to an, to an S1 filing, basically. Now, why we chose this route is really simple. Um, when you look at the opportunity that various companies our size have in terms of raising capital, pretty much it ends up being private equity. Because today, in, within the financial community, if you're taking your company public, the bankers want to raise 100 to 125 million dollars in the first round because the fees are, you know, the fee is justifies the work that they're doing uh, for a company, and they want to sell 20 to 25 percent of a company. So basically, your company has to be valued about 500 million dollars. Well, that is it's very hard for small company startups to get to that level in a short period of time. So the option for them is really today's private equity. Now, go back 10 to 15 years ago, companies like Cheesecake Factory they had four stores when they went public. You know, companies like BJ's Restaurant, they had 10 locations when they went public. There was a time that you raised capital to grow the company. Today, most IPOs, because the companies have been financed along the way with private equity, they look at IPOs as an exit for the private equity. It's an exit strategy for shareholders rather than an opportunity to really help raise money and build out the company. Now, this IPO values your company at roughly $220 million? Uh, it's about three, enterprise value about $325 million. And what do you plan to do with the money raised from the IPO? Uh, purely growth capital. We're not taking any money off the table. Every, all the dollars are staying in there. We have currently 16 locations. We have four under construction. We have a pipeline of another 16 sites that are going to open right after that. And our goal is to build four to, five, uh, four to five locations a year initially. And, you know, this capital, along with the line of credit that we have available to us, will, you know, allow us to build the units that are in development. Is the goal to be in nearly every major city in the country at some point? What's uh, the long-term goal? The long-term goal is we believe that there's capacity to build 200 of these locations in this country. So again, we've got a long ways to go. There's a lot to do, and uh, that's our path. I mean, we think this is something we can bring to every neighborhood in this country, frankly. 
Why is now the right time to go public? Because if you look at the movie theater space, you've got AMC and Regal and others, their share prices are hurting. They they are having a hard time getting people off the sofa and into the movie theater. Um, and you've also got things like MoviePass. They've mm -hmm. seen tremendous growth. They hit uh, one and a half million subscribers recently. They seem to be having some success with their business model. But why was now the right time for your company to go public in this environment? Right. Hey, it's a great question. I mean, when you talk about stock of other theater companies, um, it's true. They've, you know, they've they've been struggling a little bit, and you know, they've been they've had their ups and downs. They're completely dependent on movies. You know, when you look at what we do, box office is a small portion of our revenue. We do so many other forms of entertainment, from gaming. You know, we did 500 gaming events in our theaters last year. You know, live performances are a major part of our business today. We'll do north of 300 performances this year. You know, we have from mentalism to magic to uh, book signing, red carpet events. I mean, these this, these locations are really becoming your neighborhood performance, you know, a, a mini performance art destination. Mm -hmm. And now what we also have, we're, again, not comparing to other people, we have an, a really a robust and a great dining experience that go, comes along with it. You know, these locations, they all have restaurants, they have bars, you know, they're really... When you look at the amount of time that our guests spend in our theater, it's about four and a half hours. You know, what we've done is really, this is such a simple idea. All we've done is we've taken the two most common forms of entertainment and brought it under one roof. And what we've done as a result of it, you know, traditionally you get in a car, you drive to a restaurant. Sometimes you miss your movie because the food took longer, right? right? And then you get in your, in, a, in your car after you had your meal, you drive to a movie theater. There's a half an hour's time in between that you always used to spend. Right. So by us giving that half an hour back to you, you know, time is a commodity. None of us, none of us have enough of it. Mm -hmm. It just makes it a single destination. It really becomes your country club for your nighttime activities. A lot of the people that go to our theaters um, on a Friday, Saturday night, you find 80% of the guests that are in the restaurant, they're not even going to see a movie. This is the place where they go for happy hour. They stay there for, for dinner. Very frequently, they just go to the restaurant and leave, and vice versa. Now... To be clear, you can eat your meal and drink your beverage, sometimes an alcoholic beverage, while you're watching the film. Oh, absolutely. We have basically in our, uh, in our locations, we have a restaurant, standalone restaurant. There are three different concepts. Tansy Restaurant, which is an Italian artisanal. Uh, City Perch, which is a farm, it's a basically farm to table, all-American food, and Tuck Room. Talk Room is really a, it's a fun place, gastropub, you know, which is focus of is more on the bar side of it. So... Yes, you, you go there, you can eat at those restaurants, and then we have a different menu, completely different menu that's served in the auditoriums. Everything in the auditoriums is basically you'll be able to pick it up, pick up with your hand. Like finger food. It's all finger food, but it's really high-quality food. And what we've done is we're really, yeah, really the mastermind behind our, uh, uh, behind our culinary is Sherry Yard. You know, Sherry has been with us now about five years. She started initially as consulting for a year, and then she came on board full-time. James Beard winner. Three-time Jane Beard winner, worked for Wolfgang Puck for 20 years, opened 30-some restaurants around the world. So she's, she's an incredible talent. She's an incredible leader. She knows how to bring our team together. She knows how to build a team that can really deliver quality food that you would expect in any four- or five-star restaurant. Now, I'm curious who your customer is. Is it that uh, elusive millennial who is just, you know, not leaving their house for anything, they're on their streaming device, and that's how they're going to watch their entertainment? Or does it skew older? Um, I can give you some stats on that. Um, you know, we have a membership program. There's 1.8 million members spread among 16 locations today, which is great. We're really excited. We have a member base that is very loyal. Our member base age is 90% of our guests are between the ages of 21 and 54. 
the median age is 33, with an average household income of 120. And, you know, when you look at it's our most more avid, affluent customer. Yes, but you'd be surprised. Even, you know, we say 90% of the guests are, you know, uh, uh, are over 21. Hmm. 3% is below, tw- below uh, 21. But those, that group really don't have their own membership, so it's kind of hard to figure out what it is. But I can tell you, we show animation movies. We show Disney movies. We sell out all those shows. The kids love coming there. You know, so it's a family destination absolutely. as well. Families yes. can come as well. It's not right. just about date night. or It's not. Okay. I want to talk more about the competition in your space. Um, we had talked about... Um, you mentioned Netflix earlier, Hulu, some of the other streaming services. Once they hit, there was people were saying that's the death of the movie theaters. Is it the death of the movie theaters? Absolutely not. You know, I've been in this business over 30 years. You know, I bought my first theater. It was a three-screen theater in 1984. This is when Blockbuster was rolling out. They said this is the end of the theater business. Remember, Blockbuster was on every corner. Yeah, we were where's all Blockbuster re- now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, we went from three and six-screen theaters to the days of, you know. You know days of building 20 and 24 screen theater. I started building those theaters myself. I mean, from 2005 to 2000, I'm sorry, from 1995 to 2005, I built, you know, 20, 20 screen, 24 screen theaters with 4,000 seats. So, you know, like any other business, you have to evolve. You know, movie theaters are the same. You know, we went from, you know, slope floor theaters to stadium seating 20, 24 screens because that era was about what we call home depoting of movie theaters. Convenience meant, you go to the theater, a show, say Star Wars, if it was showing, you wanted to have this show in 10 auditoriums. So no matter what time you got there, you can grab a seat. Mm-hmm. That was, at that time, was the luxury. That was, the, that was what people sought for. Because traditionally, they were used to going to a theater, and you know, if the tickets were sold out, you know, internet wasn't quite as prevalent, so you couldn't go buy your ticket online. So you always had to wait in, you know, go, wait, go to the theater and wait in line to buy a ticket. So today, it's, it's a shift. You know, what we've done is we've completely, you know, you know, revolutionize that movie-going experience. Because just like you said, if if you look at the traditional movie theaters in our space, we talk about Netflix, we talk about Hulu, you know, some people say that along with PVOD, they can be end of the end of the theater business. It's not. For one thing, we show Netflix product in our theaters. We have a contract with Netflix, we show their movies in our theater, and we sell ticket to the movies that you can watch for free at home. So that's interesting. You have a partnership with Netflix. Um, I'm not sure any other theater chain has this kind of relationship with them. Do you ex- do you hope to expand it, and, and if so, how? Yes. We actually, we approached Netflix about two years ago because we believe in our uh, business model so much and people love it so much. We believe that, you know, if we can take a picture that you can watch at home, people will still come out to the theater because they're coming for an experience. You know, this is no different. Going to the movies is no different than going to a restaurant. You have a kitchen in your house. You still go out to a restaurant. You go out for the experience of going to the restaurant. Movies are the same thing. We showed, you know, we initially entered into a contract for a 10-picture deal with Netflix. We played in the first year. We just uh, termed out. Uh, We did more than 10 10 pictures. We just renewed our agreement for 20 pictures. So they love it. We love it. It's something that brings people out. Is this original Netflix programming? Yes, it's all original content. Okay. So I'm curious how much the average person spends uh, for a night out Mm -hmm. at at an IPIC entertainment theater. Um, On the average... uh, the ticket average is about $20, roughly, and on food and beverage, is about $25. So on the average, when you're going there, it's about $40, uh, $44 that what you're spending. But the reality is you, you were spending that before. 
you know, Which when is you in go different places, in different places. Yeah, exactly. And even when you look at the theaters, you know, we average $19 on our ticket price. When you think about what you pay, if you went to a traditional theater, you're paying somewhere between $10 and $15 for a ticket price. If you're in Manhattan, you pay $1.50 to buy your ticket online. You pay six or $7 for a bucket of popcorn minimum, you know, for in our theaters at no charge. I always get <laughs> a sticker shock when I go to the theater, especially right. I have three children. And when everybody wants popcorn or candy and a drink, it becomes a very expensive night out with the family. Right. So yeah. when you look at it, again, at $19, it's still a bargain. You know, it's really the value proposition is so great. That's why, you know, we talk about, you know, comparison to other theaters. As small as our, when I mean, we talk about the fact that box is a smaller part of our revenue stream, but when you look at it on a per screen basis, we outgross any theater in this country. The industry averages everything. You know, we put more people in those seats than any other theater does. Because people that can't get into a Friday or Saturday night show, they'll go Monday or, th Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. The, the loyalty is so great that the business spread out throughout the entire week. Now, talk to me about market share. I, I understand, I read somewhere that you have half a percent of the of the audience, movie theater going audience at the moment. Yes. Um, that is small. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you plan to expand that and and what is your goal? What what is your goal for market share? I mean, I, I would imagine one hundred percent market share. But realistically, what's your goal and what's your timeline? You know, we're not so much focused on market share per se. I mean, this is a big industry. It's an eleven billion dollar industry, and our business is not about market share. Our business is about service and experience. We want to have a, you know when we talk about our market share is market share of your you as a guest as a consumer market share of your out of home spending. You know, everybody allocates their dollars to in-home entertainment and out-of-home entertainment. So we look at, we compete with out-of-home entertainment. And if you're looking for market share, that's the market share we want to go after. We want to be that destination of choice for you. When you want to go out with your friends, you want to go to a bar, you want to go watch a movie, you want to watch a play, this is a destination of choice for you. So we consider market share, what we fight for is your out-of-home entertainment dollars. Plus, if you have that market share, even if it may be small relative to the entire industry, if they're loyal... That's something you can depend on in terms of revenue. You mentioned something called B PVOD, and for those who don't know, it stands for Paid Video On Demand. And this is a fairly new concept in which movie distributors are looking at um, being able to offer films to people in their homes, direct to their homes, after a certain period of time that it's actually in the theater. Um, again, I hear this and I think, death of the theaters, what do you say? You know, this is uh, the death of Theater, like I said, has been talked about for the last 30 years, that, at least that I've been in, in, in this business. If there was anything that was going to disrupt and put the theaters out of business was invention of television. Really. Before television came about, the only way you could watch a movie was on a big screen. You had to go to a movie theater. So you would think, again, if there was a disruption of this industry, it was television. We've served, that was 100 years, uh, not 100, but it, that, uh, television was about 1950s and 60s. So 60 years ago, we would have, you know, this industry would have been disrupted, but we're still here. This industry has continued to grow. Box office, when I got into this business, the first business plan I wrote in 1984, box office was $3.5 billion. And it was 80% of the revenue that a picture generated. Today, box office is $11 billion, mm -hmm. and it represents about 20% of a picture's revenue overall. When you look at wow. international distribution, when you look at DVDs, downloads, all of that. Sure. So the business has continued to grow. The fact is we are consuming more and more media. Port, you know, the, the, the box office itself, again, it's grown from $3.5 billion to $11 billion. So theater revenue has continuously grown since 1984. At the same time, people are becoming more and more used to it. The fact that now you can watch Netflix, we're all hooked on consuming content. Really, think about it. So 
you know, when a great picture that you're used to, you know, watching on Netflix, you know, uh, Stranger Things came up. You know, I was one of the first ones. I, I sat there the whole week and I watched it. You so binge watched Stranger I love Stranger it. I did. Things, yes, yeah. I love the show. So. so how do you compete, though, with something like PVOD? How do you make your, how do you make going out and going, sh frankly, for some people, schlepping out to the movie theater, how do you make that attractive when they know, well, you know, if I just wait a little longer, it'll, it'll, I can get it right on my TV. Right. So two things. One, you know, why do we want to watch a movie at home? One is comfort and convenience of it, right? You, you know, if you're watching it at home, you're laying down on your couch, you can have a pillow and a blanket. So what we've done, we brought your living room into a shared environment. You know, when you go to these theaters, you have a pod, basically. You're, you're sitting in two seats. You know, you're sitting with your loved one. Pill on a blanket. You know, service comes to you. You get great, mix, um, you know, food and drinks in the auditorium. So from that side, from the comfort and convenience side of it, we compete with your home. We're going to give you that, you know, not everybody has somebody in, the, in their home that's going to bring their drinks. Here you can have the same thing. And your drinks, uh, drinks come to you. I'm usually that person who has to <laughs> right. bring others the drinks, although my husband sometimes does get up, I have to admit. Right. Um, I'm curious why you got into the industry in 1984. Why this industry? What was it about uh, the movie industry that enticed you? <laughs> you know, I was actually at that time, uh, I had a real estate company, and I was doing syndication, you know, buying properties, fixing them up. And I looked at a center that had this 3 3 three-screen theater, you know, they looked at buying it. And the developer of the center also owned it. And when I looked at it, I said, you know what, this is such an easy business. In, in my mind at that time was somebody else makes a picture. You know, pictures are all made by the big studios. They distribute it to you. And all you have to do is sell popcorn and soda. Uh -huh. So I really all didn't know anything about do, it. Right? That's all you have to do, right? <laughs> so I thought it was really a simple business. So, and the reason I gravitated towards this, you know, I grew up in Iran. You know, I, I was born and raised over there. The window to the modern world, the internet didn't exist. So if you were learning anything, you were watching movies. Movies were a big thing. I mean, movies were, we learned about Western culture. So, you know, even outside of the U.S., people are more hooked on movies. Because really, again, going back to the days of, you know, no internet, you know, movies were the way that the culture transferred throughout the world. It's the, the great world. educator, right? The great global educator Absolutely, of films. right. Yeah. So I had an affinity for movies. I mean, I watched a lot of movies growing up, and I said, you know what, this is such an easy business. Somebody else produces the movie. All I have to do is sell them popcorn and soda. Well, little did I knew, <laughs> I bought the theater. And four months later, General Cinema, which at the time was the big operator like Regal, they don't exist today, uh, they opened the eight-screen theater, which in those days was revolutionary. And I got my head handed to me. And that's when I did the homework that I should have done to begin with. Mm -hmm. I learned about the industry. I really studied it. I went and talked to all the studio heads. I talked to other exhibitors that were doing, doing a really good job. And I learned that this is an experience. This is not about what's on the screen. It's about what we do in attracting you, getting you to come out of your home, even in those days. Mm -hmm. In those days, yes, you could only see the movie in the theaters, but how do you compete with other theater chains? It's by, again, it's an you know, focusing on the experience side of it. If you look at the forefathers of this industry in the 20s and 30s, they built palaces. They, play, they built transformative spaces. You know, these were atmospheric. You had the Egyptian theme. You had Moorish theme. You walk into these theaters. I mean, today, some of them are turned into really the great performance arts centers. Right. When you walk into them... It was them, almost like walking into a grand opera house or where they would, might do a ballet. It really was an event, right, to go exactly, to the movies. Exactly, exactly. I mean, truly, you know, the big word, you know, the, uh, you know, in my old company, we said the show starts on the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. You know, I started building theaters where Egyptian. I built a theater that uh, was a replica of Temple of Karnak. Built a theater that was uh, turn of the century train station. Every theater I built was thematic. They were great. I mean, people would line up Line up. I mean, I built a theater in Baltimore, Maryland that did 2.8 million people a year. 
Oh my goodness. It was, but again, I really went back and learned the industry right. and I really focused on the experiential side of it. So in the, in the era of megaplexes, that's what was, that was, that's what sold. But today it's completely different. We are more focused, again, we can get movies at home, so how do I get you out there? It's about that experience that you're gonna have when you get there, which is completely different than what it used to be. So you, you are a bit of a film aficionado having uh, been watching since I'm sure a small boy. Um, any favorites you can share with us? Any favorite films? You know, I say, you know, my favorite films are the ones that make a lot of money. But no, aside <laughs> from that. <laughs> Said like a true movie theater <laughs> operator, yes. Right. Uh, you know, I, I can tell you, uh, when I bought my first theater, this was about the time that um, uh, Indiana Jones came out. So I watched that movie probably 18 or 20 times. So Good choice. When people ask me what was it, to me that was a fantasy at that time. It was like, you know, it's, it was, uh, you know, it, it, it was so different. You know, it was, you the, know, the special effects were just seen. more, yes, exactly. Right, right. And even now when you see it, the, the nostalgia just comes rushing right. back and still a great film. Well, uh, Hamid Hashemi of IPIC Entertainment, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for spending time with us. Well, thank you so much for having me here. Thanks so much for listening to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus. Be sure to rate, review, and share this podcast, and remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode.